Hey all you cool cats and kittens, this is Carol. And this is Marge. We've made it to episode three. Um, we've had, I think, one more listen than our parents and our significant others. Than we've last had week. quite a few more listens. Really? Yes. You actually checked how many listens I we did had? on Spotify and on um, Apple. What are we up to? I want to compare this to... Geller won't ever listen to this, but I want to have more listens than Geller. Just I hope Geller listens to this. <laughs> I hope he doesn't. Um, Just kidding, Geller. Yeah, I don't have the exact numbers, but we were like above 20 on Spotify. All right. So. Just on Spotify. Yeah. Hear that, Geller? Suck it. <laughs> but. <laughs> that was from Carly, not me. I love you, Brian. <laughs> uh, but yeah, episode three. Um, today is all about small business ownership. Uh, it is a interesting time for most small businesses, but we're going to kind of recap as a whole, go through some trials, some triumphs, answer probably about anywhere from between zero to five questions that uh, have been asked, probably closer to the five than the zero, but we we'll won't see. answer zero questions. <laughs> we might. Uh, yeah. Episode two was a success. I think, um, we're getting the hang of it a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think uh, I'm pretty happy with how episode two turned out. I'm definitely happier with episode two. I think the feedback that I got was really great. Um, you guys have, you know, reached out and let us know what your thoughts are, and I, we appreciate that. Yeah. So we're going to roll with that. Getting some good listens, um, getting some good uh, reviews. If you haven't done so already, uh, give us some ratings. That does help, um, especially so that way you don't have to type out the Carol and Marge show, because then we would be higher on the search list. That means it would show up easier, which makes less work for you guys. Yeah, please subscribe when you can. Um, that's much appreciated. Uh, like I said, we're not only on Apple Music, now we're on Spotify as well. So, <sighs> Anything to recap throughout the week before we get started? It was a very busy week. It was. I was running around quite a bit. Just yeah. kidding. I've been on my couch doing work <laughs> busy from the couch <laughs> busy from the couch um i actually have been pretty busy with work though so yeah that's a good good thing good signs good signs to be busy during this time yes uh i've been about the same a couple new like uh evals that i have done um social distance evals thank you very much um yeah, and just doing my thing with uh, normal clients and normal programming. Um, yeah, so everything's been about the same. We probably won't have much to say change-wise um, <laughs> until further notice, but we'll see. Yeah, it'll give us a chance to cover, you know, all sorts of things that we wanted to cover. And, yeah. you know, as people request it, too, we can always zoom in some guests. Um you know, start to broaden our horizons that way, too. We could, except for Dr. Geller, sorry. I would love to have Dr. Geller <laughs> on here. Please. Um, yeah, so we'll start with the triumphs, because we'll start with the good, and then the bad, and then the questions. The good, the bad, the questions. Well, should we start with the about? Yeah, we could go with the about. That's a good way to start. Because I think for some people, they probably don't know what we even do. That is very true. They probably don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most people will, but they might not even know the full the full page of it, though. That's true. All right, Marge, you start. Okay. Um, I know we got into it a bit last week, 
we briefly talked about how we got to where we were. Obviously, we're both strength coaches in the industry now, and we each manage um, our own business that way. Um, there's definitely some differences between Carly's branch or Carly's business and mine. Um, so I am one of the owners of a business called Impact Fitness Systems. We go by IFS, which I will get into why we've transitioned to being called IFS um, in a little <laughs> bit. But um, we're made up of four different branches. So we have performance, we have softball, we have basketball, we have team training, and we're actually kind of building a fifth branch right now in our virtual programming um, by necessity. But it's something that we plan to hold on to after this is over. Um, so we started as just strength conditioning, the performance branch. Um, I mentioned last week that Tom had opened the business originally as a boxing gym. <laughs> uh, so we had a full ring. Um, I remember that. The ring was cool. The ring never got used, though. No. <laughs> I mean, the most we used the ring for was to play sharks and minnows with the kids. Or like Marco Polo. Like we would put the kids in the kids class in the ring and be like, all right, run around. It was like a little like pen. <laughs> um, so yeah, we sold that business obviously showed us where the demand was and that was with athletics. Um, so we built everything off of that. And um, my setup is different than Carly's in that I'm not a sole proprietorship. No. Um, so I have three business partners who have ownership in the company. Um, and we have, yeah, what are you playing with in your pocket? I was getting the cough drop. <laughs> oh my God. He's trying to be discreet about it, but it's not working. It's like when someone like has like Velcro or something <laughs> and they're trying to open it really slow. Yeah. This is a total digression, but <laughs> so my brother is an actor. And one of his biggest pet peeves, he'll probably laugh when he hears this, is if someone has a cough drop in the oh, audience yeah. and or a wrapper, like a candy wrapper, and I'm they the open worst it. At that. Oh, it's you. I'm, not, I'm one of those people because I need snacks. I need to open the snacks, and I try. But to do you need a snack in the middle of a performance and in the middle at the of beginning like, of the performance? You absolutely do. At the beginning, sure. But if it's in the middle of like a dramatic scene, and all of a sudden you just hear like, sometimes you're hungry. Oh, man. We're going to have Ricky on the show, and I'm going to have him just rip Carly apart. <laughs> I've had seasons, and my family is at, well, my sister and I now have them for, like, the last five years, six years. Uh, we've taken them over, but before them, my family had season tickets for probably 20 years before them um, to Shays. So, we'll do a theater episode. Yeah. We'll have Ricky on. And I, oof, I, <laughs> I've become notorious, well, my whole life is notoriously late. But That's true. I am notorious for showing up right at when I'm supposed to be. And that also requires me to be loud as I'm getting ready as the performance starts. But, anyways, back to business. Back to the original point before I was rudely interrupted by a <laughs> cough drop. <laughs> um, so, we have four owners in the company. Um, Tom is the president, I'm the vice president, and then Kyle and Alexis also have... Um, stock in the business as well. So Kyle manages two of our branches. He manages basketball and team training. Alexis manages softball. We have another site manager, Jeff, who uh, manages performance. And then Tom and I kind of oversee all of it. Now, it's interesting because Tom is a full-time professor at Duville, so he is more hands-off than he would like um, when it comes to running the business. 
However, he's always, you know, available and accessible for mm-hmm. the big picture items. Um, but a lot of it falls on me, so I end up managing the managers, overseeing all of our staff. Prior to the pandemic, we had, I want to say, 15 staff members total. So, and we take interns every summer. Um, so, it's definitely much different than the way Mustache is set up in that yes. it's not just one. It's a whole team. It is a whole team. Um, but it's... We have a great team. I mean, I've said that this is probably the best that our staff has been in since we've opened. Um, today's actually my anniversary. Wait, today? Today, the tenth. We talked. We, we, we talked, talked about, about last it week. A couple, yeah, a couple weeks ago. So yeah. Um, Congratulations. Thanks. Five years. Five years. Five whole years. So um, yeah, it's it's a really great model in that we work with people on an individualized basis and a team basis. Um, those who come to us individually, not necessarily in a personal training style. It's more so a guided training, we like to call it. Um, so they get a program and then they come in and we have our coaching staff accessible throughout. So they're always supervised. It gives parents peace of mind if they're sending you know, their 14 or 15-year-old son into a weight room. He's not going to be a knucklehead. Um, he'll have accountability he'll have supervision um, it makes it much more effective so we've seen some really good results with it and all of the branches carry that same model of individualized attention um, whether it is a small group or a one-on-one style um, I'm trying to think what else what else about the business we have three brick and mortar sites we unfortunately were supposed to open our third one right before this all started. Mm-hmm which sucks. Um, but our first site is 5,000 square feet. That's our strength conditioning and team training area. Um, our softball site is also 5,000 square feet, fully turfed, um, three and a half shoots for hitting, um, that can be pulled back to have a fully open space. And then our newest was a 7,000 square foot basketball facility, um, that house of balls, the house of balls, as Carly calls it. Big Veg Dogs House of Balls. Um, so we'll get we'll get there eventually to using it um, once this is all over. But our biggest demographic is definitely um, athletes. So our youngest athletes are six, seven, eight, and then we work all the way up into adulthood. So yeah, we've got a pretty widespread model. Yeah, yeah, you guys have pretty much hit. A lot of different demographics, but also at the same time, uh, having like a, a, a direct line in your business model, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, I am, uh, I am definitely not, uh, I am very one dimensional. I am, I am a sole proprietorship. It is just me. I am fortunate enough to have help, um, but not in the sense of employee help. Um, I have two physical therapists, one, um, I would say full-time, one, uh, very much part-time, uh, for the time being, um, Matt Veronica and Zach Clapp, um, both doctors, I should say. Um, Matt is, uh, full-time and Zach is probably very much part-time, like, uh, he has a full-time job, um, but also does this part-time where he does... Um, what they say, cash-based PT, which is individualized one-on-one PT, kind of like a a personal training session almost, but with physical therapy. 
Um, both of which don't also do non-physical therapy things, but, um, and I also have, uh, Eric Benfee who also helps me out, um, helping me out with, uh, whenever I need to leave pretty much, or if I have big events that I have to travel long-term for, those three guys have really, really done a bang up job of, uh, helping me out whenever I'm not there. Which brings me to the next point, which means I'm usually there every hour of operation that I'm either not golfing, not traveling, or not sick. Uh, but even when I'm sick, um, I'm usually there. Um, I don't ever consider myself sick enough if I can wake up at 5.30 in the morning and get up and walk around. So um, that's probably partly my fault, partly being stubborn. Um, but it's pretty much me as a one-man show. Uh, we do individualized programming. We do one-on-one -on -one coaching. Uh, we do remote coaching. And that's pretty much our three... The, pretty much the three things that I do. Uh, I very much uh, don't take on uh, teams that often. If any, it's maybe one every year Yeah, you don't for take a semester. Money. No. Uh, we offer it, but it's not something I, I go out there and specifically try to um, hustle and bustle for. You know, that's just not... Uh, I'm not large enough, and the gym is too busy for me to take on a whole team and... Uh, also still have 15, 20 people in there. Sure. It just can't happen. Um, unless we, you know, have a specific time where they all show up and it's like either in between, uh, usually before 3 p.m. So anywhere between 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. If they show up, um, that would be great. But chances are people have to show up after work, um, especially college kids and things like that. They got class. Um but yeah, no, I haven't. I don't really take on teams. I do a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I would say, uh, of the members of the gym or the people that come to the gym, I probably coach 90, 85 to ninety percent of them. Um, uh, Team Western New York Strength and Conditioning. Now, um, I'm very close with Steve uh, and Chris, and a lot of their athletes uh, use our facility that don't want to travel out to um, Depew uh, for them. Uh, so they do, uh, we take a lot of, uh, a lot of their weightlifters, uh, in our facility. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, pretty much I, I would say about 70, about 85 to 90% of the members that are there at one given time are usually, um, getting programming from me, um, or I'm in, you know, in control of what they're doing, whether they're working with me one-on-one -on -one or I'm doing the programming. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, um, for me. Uh, I think that one of the other differences between um, Maggie and I is uh, my gym's open at all hours of the day. So from open yeah. to close, I am open. I've treated it more like a corporate gym in that sense where I don't have closed off hours during the middle of the day. I thought to myself when I, when I made that decision, I'm like, well, I'm going to be there anyways. So might as well just be open where um, I don't close down during the middle of the day during like the dead time, like the you know, 12 to 3 area. Yeah, we're we're different in that sense. and We have very limited, not limited hours, but we are open early mornings for the pre-work crowd. We do have a 10 to noon hour, um, three days a week. And then we have, we reopen at 3 o'clock every day. Yeah. So it's, because our demographic is mostly kids, there's no sense in being open during the day. Um, it's kids and parents, I should say. Um, in the summertime, we do add a 10 to noon for the other remaining um, days of the week. 
and it's definitely our busiest time because all our college kids are back. But, yeah. but yeah, during the day, it's more what we consider our office hours. So that's when I, you know, yeah, have all of my administrative work. Yeah, and that's kind of I have a hard time, um, just as of recently though, over the last year and a half, having to do work. Like I've had to come back either after hours or really pick a time in a day that is dead, which is usually Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons for some reason, uh, between like 11 to three have been extremely dead. So I try to get a lot of my work done there, but usually rolls over into the weekend. And I ask Leah where, you know, what day would you rather have me work late? And it's usually the day that I'll pick to do most of my programming on the weekend. So usually about three days during a week, I'll do most of my programming. As for like video analysis, I know some coaches um, pick and choose days of when they do all of the video analysis. Um, I usually try to get it done as soon as I can, so that way I don't have anything left on my plate. Um, I tell all of my clients, uh, you'll usually get video analysis between one minute to 24 hours, but no no more than 24 hours. Um, I, I will always... Try to hold my head on that. I had, well, I'll get to maybe this complaint during the trials, but I had a... a Would that be tribulations? No. Are tribulations good a good thing? <laughs> I'm not answering because I don't know the answer to that I'm question. I'm Google it. <laughs> but... I think because we're doing trials and triumphs, I would say the trials would be the most difficult time, and that's when I'll probably talk about this story of... Um, While I Google what tribulations Yeah, right. <laughs> tribulations are bad, a, great, a cause of great trouble or suffering. So trials are just like the tests, and the tribulations are the... The bad things. The bad things. So the triple T's, the, <laughs> the triumphs, the trials, and the tribulations. All right, listen, we're both straight coaches. <laughs> yeah, we did not go to school for, for grammar. We did not, which is another thing I'll get to in the same story oh, about yeah. this, this individual. Uh, we're coming up on, a, I think, a year of this story, a year and a half of this story um, that happened. <laughs> wild, absolutely wild. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my uh, Maggie's and I's business models. Um yeah, I mean, it's completely different, but very similar. I mean, we're still under the same umbrella, I guess you would say, in the fitness industry. Yeah. Um, but again, very, very different uh, business models. Um, you know, I, I think also at the start, kind of how um, IFS was, we, we didn't really have a clear direction uh, on where I wanted to bring the gym to. Um and uh, I think now I have a clear direction of, you know, what's what's working in, in the industry, but also something that we've just developed uh, over yeah. the years. I think that's what you have to do in something like this is you just have to look at where it's like what works yeah. and what leads to success. Like we could have tried to keep fighting to be a boxing gym, but yeah. it would have been a very yeah rough fight. But the easy, as Tom likes to say, the low hanging fruit. Yep. Is you you know you go with what people want. It's supply and demand. Yeah, and um, I got into it. Uh, we both got into it in 2015. Um, and for those of you who follow powerlifting uh, closely, um, 2015 is pretty much when powerlifting, raw powerlifting, has exploded. Yes. Um, I think that year the raw nationals was in Scranton, PA. 
and there was only like 800 entries. And then every year after that have been well over 1,000 entries for USAPL Raw Nationals. Yeah, Spokane was what, like... 1,200. 1,200. Chicago was, I think, 1,100. Um, Atlanta was 1,000. Um, and I think Orlando was about 1,100. Yeah. So, and every year, I mean, to put it also in perspective, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher this, but it's a significant increase. If not 40% of what the qualifying total was in uh, 2015, Raw Nationals, I think they have increased the total by 40 to 50% since then for each weight class um, and age group. Oh, it's um, been insane. It's been a major, major, major explosion. Um, if they were to have that total now, there would be uh, people doing it with their eyes closed uh, and, and you know, a parapoli- uh, Paralympic almost style. Uh, that's how easy it would be for most most people uh, competing. I mean, I think that speaks a lot to how strong people are getting, though. I mean, the the interest in the sport yeah. is growing, so people are starting to train with the right people. Yeah. There's still some people that train with knuckleheads, but... <laughs> well, <yeah>. That's <laughs> always going to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I was very fortunate to, to have had a barbell club uh, during the explosion time, and it, it, I don't know when that trend is going to uh, actually bringing him up again, Dr. Uh, Dr. Geller, Brian Geller, um, asked me this when I was on his podcast and was like, when do, when do you see the trend going down? And honestly, I, I have no idea. Um, kind of riding the wave until it stops, quite frankly. Um, but also at the same time, I have, um, I have something to fall back on. So it's not like, you know, I'm only good at powerlifting coaching. Um, you know, at the end of the day, all of us started as personal trainers, number one. Number two, we became strength coaches. And then we have subsetted into something else over the years. You know, Maggie's more been in the managerial uh, ownership position, and I've more been in the um, uh, more like powerlifting, you know, strength coach, uh, individualized strength coach um, programming. So. Uh, we all have fallback plans, but it's more about riding what we can until until we can't anymore. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, like you saying that I fell into the managerial side. Um, I do some coaching, but it's very minimal mm-hmm. um, because we've built that. Like when I first started, I was on the floor yeah. all the time. But um, we've built that kind of tiered system for our strength coaches. Now with programming... Oh, I do a lot of it still. Tom does quite a bit, but Jeff has taken on a good amount of the yeah. programming, and that's just from teaching. You know, with a staff, you have to teach your process and your policies, and yeah. that's been, I think, the next step in growing our model is just bringing up the next generation. Yeah, and for you guys, I mean, branching out into four different branches, I mean, that's you, you need help. You need, yes. you need good help. Um, which will probably be something that we bring up about good help, uh, any business. I mean, that's literally the toughest part yep. about uh, some, someone in Maggie's position, I think, um, is finding that good help. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's first start with some triumphs of, of owning the business. Oh, I think the biggest one is you get to be hands-on and, you know, impacting someone's success, right? Mm. Like that's... 
if someone enters into the field of coaching or training, the whole point is because you want to help others. So yeah. it's definitely rewarding to see the success of clients. And I think in my case, and I mean in your case too, working with powerlifters, but you know, my clients are a lot of athletes. So we get to travel and go to their games or go yeah. to their sporting events and we get to see them win championships and we get to, you know, watch watch them grow. I mean, getting a kid at 12, 11 or 12, you have them until they go away to college. Mm-hmm. Now we got a kid right now who I use him as an example all the time, but it's because he started with us at 11. He was a turd. <laughs> oh my God, he was a nightmare. He was just <laughs> a disciplinary nightmare. He was a typical preteen. You know, he was just a goofball. He had to be the cool kid. Um, he would talk back and prior to having to close down, he and I had a conversation. He's now, a, I think, a junior in high school. Um, but prior to having to close down, he told me, he's like, I think I want to go to school for this. And he was like, you know, what do I, what should I start to take now in high school? And um, you know, what do you suggest I do? Can I intern here at some point? Like, you know, you take this kid who, who knows what he would have ended up doing, but now he's this powerhouse athlete. He's gotten really strong. And he's developed an interest. So yeah. to have an effect like that on on someone at a young age is definitely super cool. So yeah. that's a major triumph. I think all of the staff would agree with that. Yeah. Um, Alexis gets to see it with her little young ones all the time. Yeah, she loves minions, working with yeah. yeah. And Kyle works with the really young ones too, so it's cool. Yeah. I mean that's definitely something that um you know, I probably won't ever see as often. You know, we t- we have a couple young kids in the gym. You know, I would say under the age of 15, probably four or five under the age of 15. Um, but I won't see that sort of um, uh, like developmental lineage. In, yeah, developmental yeah. lineage in, uh, in, in the strength realm, uh, especially with athletics. You know, they're just there to... Usually, powerlifter just you know get in shape, and their parents like, uh, you know, want this as opposed to organized sports or something. So. Right. But I think you have a big opportunity because you get to teach this totally new sport to people. Yeah. You know, you get the athletes that have finished up their athletic career and now they're at NARP life, non-athletic yeah. regular people. And they're like, now what? And you give them an opportunity to continue to train for something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a direction. It's a sense of direction. I mean, I've said this multiple times to multiple people. Once an athlete, always an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that that sort of mentality has has really trans transcended into into powerlifting, CrossFit, weightlifting. Um, strongman, if you want to, if you want to do that, bodybuilding. I mean, after you finish organized athletics, and I'm not talking semi-pro, I'm not talking pickup, I'm not talking beer league, I'm talking like actual organized athletics. Um, you don't have a purpose anymore. You you kind of lost that, and I would say probably again the the eighty twenty rule. At least eighty percent of them find a different sport that they want to compete. Um, uh, and I'd probably go above and beyond and say 90, 95% compete in some sort of athletics, whether it is that beer league or, um, some sort of organized, like strength sport that they, that they want to compete in. 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I, honestly, I think you, you hit the nail right on the head is just seeing people's success. Um, I think my dad instilled a lot of that in me. Um, he would rather 1000% see other people's success, uh, as opposed to his own athletically. And I think that's my, I've, 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 Said said it to myself when I got into the sport of powerlifting. I only want to do this to get my name out there, and I still one thousand percent want that. And I think that getting my name out there was just more for exposure and more for uh, how I went about networking my business to other people. I mean, you go to more events. The more events you go to, the more people know your name. The more people know who you are. It's kind of like. Uh, as much as I'm not a fan, uh, as much it's the West Side mentality. Everyone knew when the West Side crew just showed up to a meet. Um, they knew that that fucking crew was going to be unbelievable, and that's you know kind of a, a little bit of a swagger they always had going into meets. Um, and not that I want that for myself, but I definitely like that mentality of how they had a presence. And I think that um, having my athletes showcase what I'm able to do um, is way more important to me than anything I could ever do athletically. And I think that's probably the biggest triumph of the business is seeing all of those successes and also seeing people like Ben Fee, like Slamba, like Crystal. Um, I'm trying to think of who else has literally had zero strength training uh, experience. But I know those, those three off the top of my head had either very, very minimal or... Um, um, or zero uh, barbell experience, and then you take them to levels that you never thought were possible, um, and, which is amazing, which is yeah. really cool. I remember that, that sh- I don't know if you would agree with this, but from a client perspective, I remember seeing that shift in knowing that you cared more about us than you cared about yourself, because it was <sighs> Spokane when we were there for nationals. Oh, God, yeah, that's... <laughs> That, that was, yeah, that, that whole, I think that was the, the end of me, um, ever, even if I wanted it, like there was, there was no way it was physically possible. But that's the thing, like you, we knew that you wanted it, but like, you were so invested in how we were all doing more so. Yeah. Like you put so much, cause I remember we all competed in the morning and you had to compete at prime time. And yeah. you put so much energy into us during the morning session because that's where your heart was. I mean, not that your heart wasn't in the primetime session. It wasn't. But it but was it, definitely... But if I remember correctly, even during the primetime session, Alicia competed during the primetime session. and you were session. concerned about how Alicia <laughs> yeah, was Yeah, I was more... I, I didn't even warm up half the time. Yeah. I was, like, literally up there watching as... Uh, I don't know if it was Mandy, Leah, or who who was handling her, but I know it was either one of those two were handling Alicia, and I just couldn't help myself but run up and down the stairs all fucking primetime session just to see how she was doing. And Poor Max was probably like, what the hell? Yeah. And <laughs> luckily, Max and I have a good relationship yeah. where he, he knew where my head was and where my heart was, and, and you know he obviously is in the same position. If you look at... And I think this is a good uh, point to bring up. If you look at a lot of good to great coaches, and, and you know who, what defines a great coach is probably a whole another episode at this point. Yeah, but, I agree. Um, we could go on uh, on a huge tangent on that, but you know who I consider great coaches, a lot of them don't 
do their what what they're good at anymore you know and and even great athletes don't necessarily become great coaches um you know you could go back and look at you know who the goats are in each individual sport i'll bring up a couple you look at a guy like gretzky you look at a guy like jordan uh you look at a guy like tiger um i'm missing probably baseball because there's so many different baseball players but um you go with a guy like bonds who who was arguably or ken griffey or arguably either one of the best baseball athletes or one of the best all-time hitters and fielders for that matter because i think bonds in his earlier years uh was a great athlete too but um those guys don't coach nope. <laughs> those guys don't coach at all um they're because they're great for one reason like they they were they were really fucking good at their sport. Yes. Doesn't mean they can coach the sport because if I remember, I remember reading some articles on Michael Jordan, and he would always stay at his level of game and expect people to reach his potential and reach his level in the game. And did he make Scottie Pippen and uh, Steve Kerr better? God knows. I don't know. Maybe, but. He they ex- he expected them to play at the same level that he did, um, and, and that's a great athlete, not necessarily a great coach. Yeah, I think with a great coach, you have to be able to match your client to reach a certain level mm-hmm. of understanding with them. You know, we talk about matching energies um, when we're training people. If you have a client that comes in and they're like super low key, you don't want to go in and start screaming at them. No. But there's a way to kind of bring them up to the next level. And then once they meet that, you bring them up a little bit more. And yep. um, with someone who is so elite at their sport, they might not know how to do that. Because all they know is that high, high yeah. level. Absolutely. And I think that's when people are choosing coaches or facilities to work with. Um, I think that that's become one of the more... And that's why probably a lot of... Athletes stick with really shitty coaches, and when when I uh, let me reiterate, shitty, I mean, not quite as good at their job. Um, They might be great people, and I think that's why a lot of athletes stick with these people because they have such great relationships. Yeah, and it doesn't make them um, a bad, a shitty person. It just doesn't make them really good at their job. Um, and I think that's why having a better relationship with that athlete and being a good coach is a lethal combination. And, and that's where people feed into a culture and that's where people feed into an environment and that's where people believe and want that uh, continued success. Yes. And, and then again, like uh, the more retention that you have uh, as another triumph, the more retention that you have usually means, and the energy and culture that you give off, usually means that you're doing a pretty good fucking job at running a small business. Absolutely. But I think a challenge with that then becomes you have to maintain that. Mm -hmm. You know, as you grow, you have to maintain that continuous level of service and level of energy and level of presence. Like, if you can, like, when you started, you had how many, like, clients? Um, I think I started with 15. And now how many do you have? Between remote, general membership, programming, and one-on-one, we're up to like 200-ish, right. 220, something like that. Like we would get during a day maybe five people in like a time span of like 3 o'clock to 9 o'clock. And now in the summer, we'll have over 100 visitors in a day. Yeah. And the 
goal still remains the same. Like, you have to service the shit out of every single person to make them know that they matter. Yeah. And that's where being a small business owner is important. Like, yeah. you're not a number. Which is a great segue into some trials. I, see, I like doing the segues. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Was that in your horoscope today? No. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but, yeah, no, that is that is a really good segue into trials. Um, honestly, uh, the I think you hit on a point that I'm going to go back to. I don't remember quite what you said uh, because my memory is hazy. No, I did not read before this. Um, but... It's, uh, the bad, the, the bad eggs, I guess is a good way of saying it, usually find themselves out, at least in, in, in my business. Um, the bad eggs will always find themselves out mm-hmm. one way or another. I don't know how that is, whether it's, uh, we remove them, um, or they just don't fit and they understand that they don't fit and they find a new place that they try to fit in, but, we have all walks of life, um, multimillionaires that work out at our facility, all the way to the people living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and, you know, young kids that are coming there with their parents. Um, but the people who don't fit that energy and culture and environment usually find themselves out. Um, one way, again, one way or another. And if they don't, and if they, if it's a good egg and they leave, they usually find some way to still stay connected. Um, every so often I'll still get a message from Chad Thomas. Oh, I miss Chad. I don't do his programming anymore, but he likes uh, most of my stuff on Instagram. I see what he's doing and every so often we'll, we'll start a, a mini conversation. And that's, and that's something that, you know, you, you find a good egg and they appreciate everything that you've done and the energy that you've created. Still the best handies on this side of the oh Mississippi. Oh my gosh. I was just going to say that. That guy gave the best bench handoffs of Ever. everyone. Him and uh, Steve Lakina And uh, who else was my Leah bench Leah actually handoff? gives pretty good bench handoffs. Yeah, don't give her too much credit. I'm giving Leah credit. <laughs> I think she does a great job. She does. She does do a great job. Um, yeah. No, that's definitely bad eggs, I think, is a, yep. a big trial. Um, because, again, like I don't like my flow fucked with like honestly like i really don't i really don't like my energy fucked with i like a certain style i like a certain system i like a certain um way things to feel in the gym like i like feeling a certain way and if i feel uncomfortable in my own gym something's got to change i don't know what it is um but something's got to change uh maybe slightly control freakish but but as when you're developing something that's so yeah that's your life yeah you have to be comfortable in that right yeah and I I am very comfortable in in um, standing my ground in the fact that I don't like my flow fucked with and that's um, luckily it doesn't happen so often because uh, people who see the culture see the atmosphere see the environment um, and if they don't want to be a part of that they usually just don't find themselves there yeah what about you? What's your what's your trials? I mean, fortunately, we haven't really run into that scenario too much working with so many kids. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been a couple kids that I can think of that were just demons, um, and all you do is you just don't let them back. Speaking of kids, what about? Um, I know it's a hot topic, but bullying. Do you ever notice that? Thankfully, no. I mean, knock on wood, we've been in a 
really good scenario. Thank you, Carly. Um, <laughs> thankfully, we've been in a really great scenario in that every kid that comes to us is a good kid. Like, they're in it. Like, yes, their parents encourage them to go, but they show up because they want to be there. Yeah. Like, we don't necessarily run into um, a ton of times where we get kids that are like, oh, I don't want to do this or, yeah. you know, everyone kind of goes in and focuses on their own thing. And the way that our programs are set up is that they come in, they do their workout and then they leave. Like yeah. they're not lingering. They're not, some of them will obviously hang out and, you know, talk with one another, but it's not to a, a point where I have to be like, guys, like, come on. Which I'm glad that we agree on that because usually when I start with the young kids, and I call my young kids under the age of 15. Yeah. Um, I When I have my first eval with them, I sit down and I talk with them and the parents. I go, what do you want to do first? Because I don't want you to hate this over time. I, I learned that with one of the kids that I had where I think I pushed them a little too hard, a little too fast, a little too much, and fell out of love with it. Now granted... He was 12, 13 at the time, and he'll probably pick it back up as he gets older because he'll realize like he wants to be big and strong after he graduates high school and won't have access to a gym or organized sports or, you know, if he goes to college, he might have a gym and whatever, whatever. But um, I think I pushed him a little too hard and gave him a little bit too much of a workload and just didn't want to work out anymore, yeah. didn't want to lift. And again, a 12, 13-year-old kid, not really required to be in the weight room. Right. Um, you know, as long as you're staying active, staying healthy and running around, that's more than enough for a 12, 13 year old kid. Yeah. And um, again, it's just matching those energies of who's presented with you. Like yeah, the way that our formatting is set up is our young ones. It's very basic. Like little, little kids don't need a ton of structurized movement prep, yeah. right? They need, and this is where we had Kyle teaching our 10 class and Alexis does a class now virtually, um, where we just have a move, you yeah. know, make it game like, make it, um, you know, fun for the kids, and they'll they'll burn what they need to burn. They'll still get benefit out of it, and then as they grow, you know, we then we have the twelve U class, and then yeah. it starts to become more structured. And then after that, we assess, you know, are they ready to go on to their own program? And yeah. that's where we just determine based on maturity and based on, you know, their level of of patterning if it's the right fit. Yeah. So I think that filter system has definitely helped, you know, maintain our our energy and our system. Absolutely, systems. yeah. But um, another one that it's not really a trial, but I guess going back to why we go by IFS is, you know, being in a sport performance type of um, area, there's going to be a lot of crossover with names, mm-hmm. and it just to limit confusion. You know, we came onto the map at the same time as another place that had a very similar name. Um, they worked with a very similar demographic. And so rather than having people call and be like asking, you know, about the wrong place, um, we just switched to IFS and it seems to be starting to pick up, um, a bit more, but it's just determining your branding and, you know, your message and your philosophy so that you're identifiable. Yeah. And they were, you know, um, unfortunately for you guys funded by lots and lots of Oh, yeah. And, like, I know the guy that kind of leads everything over there now, and he's great. I mean, he's been in our facility, and, um, you know, we've talked shop, and super good guy. But it's just, you know, you want to avoid confusion for the customer. Yeah. So Absolutely want to avoid that. Yeah. Because that's also not 
It's a rock and a hard place, unfortunately. Yeah. But I guess that's a trial, right? Like, you mentioned funding. You know, when you're yeah. a small business, you have to... First of all, with marketing, it's word of mouth, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the only way you're going to grow. Because you're entering this arena without tons and tons of financial backing. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, word of mouth. And then how do you develop your brand without having all of that? Yeah. That financial freedom. Yeah, honestly, not having uh, financial freedom is, um, you know, when you're a larger corporation, you're funded by, you know, millionaires. Um, It's kind of easy to make mistakes or take larger risks in that sense. And not that, you know, we wouldn't ever take risks, but the magnitude of the risk is we're not going to put... Out of our hundred eggs, we're not going to put ninety nine in one in one basket right. with one left. You know, we're going to probably go the twenty to thirty to forty route in the basket, and then have some as a reserve in case something doesn't happen. Yeah, or doesn't work out. But yeah, no funding. Funding's a huge one, and honestly, making decisions on you know looking at your budget throughout the month and looking at your budget throughout the year how much you need to spend on equipment right there's plenty of equipment in space that i would want right but money doesn't grow on trees nope i mean technically it does but, but not as fast as we would like no no so we you know we have to make uh, decisions and and you know hard decisions sometimes you know like no we can't do that and now i'm fortunate enough where um, I've set myself up where, you know, I'm able to travel a lot. I mean, that's probably my biggest expense, but also running two meets a year allows me to have that extra funding to, to go to all of my events. And I don't charge any of my clients any extra, you know, if, if they want to, that's fine. I'm never, I'm not going to say no, but I'm not requiring them to fund any of my trip to go with them, whether it's to a national level meet, a local level meet a regional level meet, um, or competition for that matter, not just powerlifting, all, all levels of strength competitions. Um, I try to go, if I can make it, I'm going to go. And, um, I rarely miss, um, my clients events uh, on purpose. Um, I know one question that we got was how do you separate your work life and then your non-work life, whether it be social relationships, um, any of that it's hard because you know i have probably i don't want to say i'm too outspoken but uh really? definitely <laughs> i definitely create i don't say as much as i probably would want to and i try to keep it somewhat neutral and copacetic um to everyone there's plenty of people let alone in buffalo let alone in in the country that i consistently have to see and there are plenty of people where I just want to say, go fuck yourself or fuck off. Like, I don't want to talk to you. But that's not good business practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess a good uh, segue into the question is, uh, I don't know if I ever really turn it off because my mind is always racing a mile a minute. Especially, you know, as soon as we found out about the quarantine, my mind is racing. All right, what can I do right now to, like, change my situation Mm -hmm. and what are steps that I can take. All right, let's game plan for the future. And now during the quarantine, the Corona, Corona time, I have definitely probably worked less just because I don't have as much volume of people doing stuff. Um, but I don't know if I ever really turn it off. I just 
you know, uh, the front of the head to the back of the head, it's probably usually just a little bit more back of the head if I'm busy doing other stuff. Yeah. Like when I'm with my friends, I try to shut it off. After 9 p.m. on Monday through Thursday, I shut it off. Fridays, I shut it off after the afternoon. Saturdays, I, I probably keep it on. But Saturdays and Sundays, I don't get a lot of people lifting. So right. I don't get a lot of videos. I'm not really turning it on. And uh, unless I'm at an event, um, I'm probably not thinking about it. You know, I think about it when I have to think about it, but that's usually the majority of my time spent during the week. Yeah, it's tough because when you find something, when you, your career is something that you're so passionate about, part of you doesn't ever want to turn it off, right? Mm-hmm. Like part of you, this is what you love and this is what you're investing your whole life into. So yeah. you're constantly thinking about like, what if we did this? Or what if we did this? Or what if we did this? But in order to allow your brain and your body to kind of reset and recharge, there has to be that separation. Um, So same after nine o'clock, I, I tell my partners like, Hey, I'm not answering, you know, Um, with working from home now, um, same thing. I'm just setting a time where I start a time where I end, Um, you know, my husband gets home at a certain time and that's when it's like, okay, like I'm spending time with him now. Yeah. Um, because I think that's important to grow as an individual, not just grow your business. But, yeah. you know, you think about, like, if you are out with friends, it's a balance because you are representing, like, mm-hmm. you are your brand. So yeah. you can't be, you know, a drunken asshole somewhere. Yeah. Like, you have to still be mindful that, like, especially with, like, our setting is we see parents out all the time. And, yeah. like, if I'm, well, you know... Every, every one kid is... Typically, two parents. Exactly. So if and I'm out let alone somewhere, siblings or yeah. aunts and uncles that know where they train. And you know now with our college kids too, like, um, you know, I could go out to a bar somewhere and all of a sudden, you know, one of my college kids is there, and it's like shit. Like, yep. you just have to kind of think about that. Yeah. Um. So it's difficult to balance like work and social, but I think it's also doable. Like. Yeah. Uh, I think to piggyback on, on your thought is you're always representing your business. Right. You are 1,000%. Anywhere you go at any point in time, you are representing your business. And whether it's at dinner, right? Like, you, you have no idea if you go out to dinner, not during this quarantine, but uh, post and pre-quarantine, when you go out to places... You might meet someone that is like, oh, are you that person? Right. And, oh, like, tell me a little bit more about that. I can't count how many times that that's happened just in random conversation. Yes. Or or someone will notice something that you're wearing. Or sometimes for me, they'll be like, oh, you're, you're, how much do you bitch? And you're like, they'll notice that you're large and muscular. And they'll be like, you must lift. What do you do? And it's like, then you have to have this conversation. And it's not by necessarily choice, but it's something that you're forced into just because of the nature of your job and your career. Sure. And you're always you're always the face of your franchise, I guess is a good way of saying it. Um, and you have to give a good representation. It's like, think about any professional athlete that's like really uh, at the top of their level. Um, ben Roethlisberger, Kobe Bryant. R.I.P. Kobe, sorry. Probably not a good time to bring him up, but... When they went through their rape cases, that was all over the news. And that's a tainted look on that athlete forever. Yeah. Um, it's just something that you don't want to be a sloppy jalopy out, you know, on Allen or Elmwood. And someone sees you and be like, oh, I'm never going to that fucking place. Right. Yeah, so. I think that 
Especially being in Buffalo, too. It's such a small town. It's such a small town. Everyone knows everyone. So. Yeah, where everyone knows someone that knows someone that knows you, and they've heard about right. that. So I think it's it's a balance. Yeah. But I have one more, I guess, trial um, that you will not have, um, and then I we can probably wrap it up. But um, when I first started, and I was kind of warned about this by multiple people, but being a female in the strength industry kind of sucks. Like, you know, you have parents that come in and they're like, well, you can make my kids strong. And it's like, yeah, uh, yes, I can. And I guess this could be a whole other topic probably, but, um, because it's, I could go on about it for forever, but it's something that you just, you know, prove yourself with results. Like, yes, I can make your kid strong. And a couple months later, there he is. So it's so sad but so real at the same time. Yes. And, you know, I, I think it's awesome, right? You Like, you see Bleacher Report or Sports Center or Barstool post about some uh, a, a female making it in the NFL as, like, a, a, an assistant coach or a strength yeah, coach. Like a Katie and it's a Yeah, and it's a big deal. It's like, but why the fuck is it a big deal? Yeah. Like, that's what I don't understand. Dick or no dick uh, or how you identify shouldn't fucking matter if you're good at your job or not. And that's what's extremely frustrating. Yes. That it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, or what your name is, or where you come from. It's about being good at your job. And that's honestly, I think, a good way to wrap it up. The only reason that we are successful businesses is because we're good at our jobs. It doesn't matter where we've come from. It doesn't matter about anything. It matters about how we treat our people, how we have built our businesses, and how we have good retention, and we get good results. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think you hit you hit the nail on the head this time. You know, we we enjoy what we do, we're good at what we do, and everyone that works with us sees it. Yeah. So you let the results speak for themselves. Yeah, you can speak on your own behalf, but just do what you're good at. Yeah, and and I and I don't I I, I tell I Lee and I talk about this a lot because my girlfriend is a very very much. Um, a feminist and, and love her to death for it uh, but it's frustrating that we have to consistently bring this topic up because it shouldn't matter at the end of the day but unfortunately there are plenty 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 of people um, that uh, don't believe that women can do as good of a job if not a better job yeah um, as men yeah so maybe maybe we'll save that for another episode but I think, you know, if you guys have more questions about small business, um, about our particular field, um, feel free to let us know. Is yeah. there a way to comment on podcasts? No, but you can email all of us or you can, you can us. find us on, on social media, um, whatever it is that you want to, how you want to find us. Please be our guest. Be oh, our guest. Oh my God. Uh, we are definitely doing a musical episode because <laughs> I was in Beauty and the Beast. Did you know that? <laughs> that well, that's a little teaser for when we do that one, but um, yeah, send us messages. I'll put our information in the description, um, how to contact us, yeah. and we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in and listening. See ya. Stay safe.